Morning, everybody. And good morning, Jerry. It's good to see you. Good to see everybody this morning here at Greater Alton Church. Probably noticing a few people missing. The young adults are having the retreat, and there's a bunch of them gone out of town. Uh, they've been together for the last several days. And so uh, they're, they're worshiping together in the great outdoors, so to speak, while we're protected under the, the rebar and concrete of a monolithic dome. Isn't that something? So good to be together. Glad you could be. Again, my name's Tim, and glad you could be here with us this morning. If you have a bulletin, if you were lucky enough to get a bulletin, I don't know if everybody got one, but uh, if you're wanting to follow along, we do have some notes uh, that you can follow along with, and if you are you don't have any notes, we have them in the back, and if you want to put your hand up, an usher will make sure you get a set of notes in case you're wanting to follow along. Uh, but uh, there's a few things I want to tell you about before we get started in today's lesson. Again, it's exciting to have a baptism this week, I think that is awesome, and and uh, praise God for that. And and uh, here's a few things that are coming up. Uh, next week we're having our Parents' Day, of course. You saw that with our bugs. Uh, they're having a great time back there. And parents, this is your chance to go back and kind of spy and see what's going on with your kids as they wrap up Metamorphosis. They'll be starting another series shortly after that. Uh, and as well, uh, tomorrow or uh, th- uh, August 17th that evening, we're going to be looking at, uh, we're going to be together at uh, Wood River Aquatic Center as we uh, just have the pool to ourselves. And hope you'll be thinking about who you can bring to this. There's, we uh, had a service in the park at Hartford Park, and we all invited, and hope you'll think about who you could bring to this. It'll, it's a great chance for, well, for your friends and family to meet the rest of us. And we'll, we promise not to embarrass you too much. We, you know, we hope we, we, you, it's a safe enough where you can bring your friends to that. And the concession stand will be open uh, uh, at the pool. Also, there's a marriage treat coming up. Uh, we've already got a sign-up sheet, and it's called Meet Me in St. Louis, and, and we're looking at uh, meeting near downtown at the Paratree uh, Hotel or Inn, and you can get more information about that at the Welcome Center. We'll try to have a schedule and everything for you next week, couples, but you can call them direct, and uh, Denise and I, we upgraded uh, to a king-size bed, and it didn't cost anything extra, so... It didn't, at least didn't cost us anything extra. But if you'd like to, you know, uh, re- reserve your rooms, uh, you can do that by calling the Pear Tree in there on Market Street near um, downtown St. Louis. But we're going to be looking at things in marriage that are right under our noses, is what we're going to be looking at uh, that weekend. We're going to have just about three or four sessions together and uh, also eat at the Spaghetti Factory. We're going to have a good time uh, there Saturday night. Also, there's uh, another thing coming up that I really want to, Hope you'll you'll uh, you'll all make plans for, and that is our church seminar. We're having a church seminar on September 20th, and we're looking at aiming with purpose. What's the target on Sunday mornings? What are we trying to accomplish on Sunday mornings? And we're going to be looking at that and and in detail as to what do we try to do here at Greater Alton, and and for all of our members here, we want you to be aiming with purpose. You know. Um, we, we, we have a, you know, God give us a purpose, and there's a purpose for Sunday mornings, and we hope you'll join us. Uh, mark that September 20th. It'll begin at 9 a.m. I think there are only three sessions, and we don't want anyone to miss them. Uh, that's about all I've got. I think that's about everything. Uh, again, it's good to have you with us. If you're a guest here for the very first time, you can get a free CD of today's lesson. I would suggest, since you, if we were about to hear, you're going to hear this lesson, why not... Get a free CD of last week's lesson if you didn't get it. Uh, I found it to be very helpful for me personally, and a lot of you have given me lots of feedback about it. And I uh, hope you'll you'll uh, 
check it out. You can also listen to it, I think, on a podcast, whatever that is. I'm way behind the times. Uh, on our website as well, you can get you can download download that on your smartphone or or a computer device. We're in a series called Identity, and we've been looking at this idea of of uh, making a positive ID. Um, you know, we, the theme this year is I'm yours, Lord. Well, who am I? If I'm saying I'm yours, Lord, who am I? What 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 is my true identity? Because you can really, you know, a lot of people sometimes can ha- make a mistake with their identity. Let me give you an illustration, a cartoon I'm hoping that we've got up here on the screen that will kind of help you here. Here's a guy pointing. He sees a fin out of the water. He thinks, it's, oh, it's a little cute little fish. And in reality, here's what happens. You know, it's a, you know, I don't know if that ever happened, but this guy's making a costly mistake. You've got to imagine, you know, got to admit. And um, identity can be the same way. Figure out who we really are. Do you know who you really are? A lot of people are mistaken about who they are who they are. They try to get their identity, to try to figure it out, they try to get their identity from people, from their friends, from family. They try to get it sometimes by what they do, their accomplishments. They try all kinds of ways to figure out, why am I here? Who am I about? What is my true identity? And they come up short. There's a lot of confusion, a lot of confusion in our society as to all kinds of ways we identify ourselves, whether it's gender, sexuality, or personally, spiritually, we struggle with this idea of who am I? Why am I here? And since we're going to, be, we're saying to the Lord this year, I'm yours, Lord, I thought it would be a good idea for us to look at, well, who am I? Who am I? Who is the person that's offering themselves to God to say, God, do whatever you want? Well, uh, I looked in the Bible and I found a guy by the name of Moses who had an identity crisis of his own. You, you read about Moses, right off the bat, when he's born, his life is threatened. And he's put in a basket by his mother and father, and, and it maneuvers, and put in, a, in the Nile River, and it maneuvers down the river, so to speak, until Pharaoh's daughter, attendance, uh, attended of Pharaoh's daughter, and Pharaoh's daughter herself find this baby. And they realize it's a Hebrew baby. And instead of turning it in, because all Hebrew babies were to be killed, males especially, uh, they keep the child and raise the child in a palace. And we know Moses grows up going, I'm Hebrew, because I can see that difference already in just the way I look compared to everybody else in the palace. But he also realizes, you know, this really isn't his home. He's adopted. And he begins to ask himself, he begins to think to himself, Where, who, who am I and where did I come from? And we find, as you read the book of Exodus, he gets involved in a skirmish, kills an Egyptian, runs for his life and then finds himself in the middle of nowhere for 40 years and confronted by God in a burning bush he begins to learn who he's who he is and what he's all about and so that's what I want to do in this series is really look at you know this life of Moses we can all identify with him last week we talked about insecurity and, and like I say check that lesson out it's a I'm not not because I preached it. It was it was good for me, and I hope it be it will bless your life as well. Today I want to talk about what makes me me. Have you ever thought about that? What makes you you? What are the factors that what are the ingredients when they're put together come out? They result in someone like you, someone like me. I mean, we're all different, yet we all share something in common. We share these five factors that make me, me, and you, you. I don't know why, but I'm thinking about many me for some reason. 
mini me. But uh, so what makes me me? What what is it? Well, first of all, let's look at them. They're all C words. The first one is my chemistry. It's my chemistry. You know, it's my body, the way I'm made. I'm I'm a a concoction of you know genes, DNA, chemicals, physical. Look at the Bible says here in Psalms 139. The psalmist said it this way: "You are the one who put me together inside my mother's body." You know, after he's he said that I am fearfully and wonderfully made, and he gets his identity. The psalmist says, "You know, I get my identity from you." He says, "Well, you, one of the ways I know uh, my identity, Lord, is you put me together in my mother's body. I am chem, I am chemic, I'm in chemistry. I have a chemistry. I have, I have a certain." Height, a certain color of hair, a certain eye color. Um, my hands are shaped a certain way. I think, uh, you know, the, whatever it is, the chemicals that makes me think sometimes certain things and do certain things, feel certain things. Moses had all that. Moses realized he was a Hebrew, Middle Eastern male Hebrew. And he also noticed something else about his body, and that was that he had some kind of a speech problem. He noticed that in his body, his makeup. You see, the most basic level uh, that identifies you is biological. Now, I'm talking about the genes, the DNA that God has given you, and only you. No, I'm fine. Thanks, Gary. little frog in my throat, but I'm all right now. And so, so you see this, you see that, you know, he's a certain height, a certain build. You know, you look in the mirror, and I don't know if you're like the psalmist and say, wow, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Or do you look in the mirror and go, wow, I'm kind of scared because of the way I'm made. <laughs> you know, or I don't know how it is for you personally, but uh, you're stuck with this body. I'm stuck with this body. Why do, am I bow-legged? Why do my ears stick out? Why is my eyes hazel, my hair brown? My brother's is red, blue-eyed. My older brother's red-headed, blue-eyed. My mom's red-headed. Am I adopted? Did I really? What happened here? You know, everybody's red-headed in my family but me and Dad, you know. Um, I've got my nose a certain shape. Just the way it, I'm, this is me. This is part of me. This is what did I when, when somebody says, look, there's Tim, they don't point at somebody else. They don't point at Brad Pitt, I guarantee you. They point at me and go, or they point at you and say, that's you. Uh, it's, that's your, this is your vehicle, so to speak. Whether you're a Dodge or a Plymouth or a Ford, I feel more like a Ford, fix or repair daily. That's how I feel. You know, This is our physical makeup. Because of your chemistry, some of you here have higher thresholds of pain than others. Some of you here can give birth to a baby and not even let out a whimper. While I, just thinking about it, cringe in fear and, you know, I, the, a little a, a, a bee sting or a little, the thought of somebody giving me a shot, oh, I faint. And I have fainted before at the sight of a needle. Because of your chemical and my chemical of makeup, some of you are allergic to things, whereas others are not. Some of you can't be around strawberries or peanuts. I can be around peanuts. Thank you, Lord. Peanut M&Ms. Oh. You know, I get it. 
Some of you here, have, you know, because of your physical nature, have more energy than others. Denise and I are just different. I'm um, intense, intense, intense. And she's like, calm down, slow down. Nobody's going to take it. You know, she's got that real, you know, she's tired at 8 o'clock. Man, it's the night is young. Let's go. You know, it's we're different. And by the way, because of those differences, because we should we should understand, guys, some of us, we are hardwired this way. And God is, has no intention of changing it. Oh, if I become a Christian, God's going to make me a high-energy person. No, you're going to still be a low-energy person. Really? Well, well whatever's hardwired, if it's in your head, well, you'll, it'll change you. I used to whisper as a child, what's your name? Where do you live? Can we get more specific? A big house. And I would. One time I hid behind the sofa when company came, and they were there for hours, and no one knew I was there. What happened to you, Tim? Well, I get, definitely wasn't hardwired that way. See what I'm saying? Something makes me be able to stand up in front of you, scared to death, and talk. And so some of this stuff is not hardwired. Some of it is software. just needs a few clicks from the master, and you're changed. But some of this stuff is not. It's your chemistry. Some of you here, we're chemically the way we are. We need a little help. What are you saying, Tim? I'm saying it's sometimes an aspirin, sometimes some medication, a prescription medication is what we need. I'm a guy. Let me tell you what guys wish they could would take off the air on TV. And that's those Viagra commercials and the testosterone stuff. I get tired of watching that. Anybody else like that, you guys? Ooh. Yeah, I'm, I'm watching something with some little kid. You know, we're watching something, and all of a sudden, here comes the Cialis commercial. What's that about, Tim? I have no idea. Let's go, let's go upstairs and get some chocolate milk, you know, <laughs> and come back and after it's over with. But, you know, there's, there's some reality there. Uh, you know, these things, chemically, we have chemical deficiencies. And it's a fact. Now, I'm not a big guy on medication. It's not because of any kind of religious conviction. It's because of I grew up in a farm in southern Illinois where there was no medicine or doctor within 10 miles. And so I just never have been one of those people to take a pill or take an injection. or, or You know, you've got to carry me on a stretcher to get me to, be, to get fixed. I get it. Okay, I want you to know that. But I'm learning. Sometimes we need. Some people need medication because their body doesn't create enough chemical. I understand that. That's and that, by the way, those deficiencies do shape you and I mentally and emotionally. Right? Moses is going. You know, I've got this problem with my lips. I don't think I'm very good at this. Maybe he got made fun of when he was a kid, and he was always self-conscious of it. But whatever it was, he had a biological problem and, and well, he, he didn't know what to do with it and, it and it began to affect him emotionally and mentally and it affected the way he carried himself and the way he approached life. Now, this is not something unusual. You know, when, when, when he was bringing all this stuff up, 
God said to him in, in Exodus, He goes, Who gave you? Who gave human beings their mouths? Now listen to this. We saw this yet the last week in Exodus 4. Who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? If God ever wants to say, You want to blame me? Bring it. I make people that way. I make people that way. But Lord, it's unfair. No, it's not about your idea of what fair is. It's about my purpose. And I have usage for people that are this way. I'm not interested in changing them biologically. If he wanted to change you biologically, well, he'd make you taller or shorter or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Things that you couldn't control. There's some things you and I are. We're hardwired this way, and God wants you to be this way, and it helps identify you who you are. You know, Apostle Paul had this issue. Second Corinthians. Look what he says here in Second Corinthians. It says here, so that I would not become too proud and too uh, uh, proud of the wonderful things that were shown to me. A painful physical problem was given to me. I think uh, one translation says, "thorn in the flesh." And look, it says, this problem was a messenger from Satan. Do you think he enjoyed having his physical problem? It's from the devil, I tell you. That's what he's telling him. Sent to beat me and keep me from being too proud. It's a physical issue that's affecting him mentally and emotionally. Make sense? So sometimes we, one of the ingredients we have that identifies us is chemistry, our, our, our body, our, the physical part of us. Number two is my connections. Is my connections. They have a lot to do with making me, me. How's that, Tim? Well, my connections are my relationships. And you've got to admit, guys, that really has a lot to do. We, 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 we look at ourselves a lot of times based on what others think of us. Especially those who are the most important to us. Am I right? Look at this passage here in Proverbs 13. It says, Be friends with those who are wise, and you'll become wise. What's he saying? You have this kind of friendship with people, this is what you become. Choose fools to be your friends. Yeah, you get the picture, right? You end up in trouble. Why? Because I'm a product of my relationships. That's why. Moses had relationships. Lots of them. And they shaped his identity. He, some of his relationships he had no choice in. Parents, brother, sister, no choice in those. He didn't get to choose Pharaoh's daughter to raise him or the attendants to take care of him. He did get to choose his wife. He did get to choose his friends. He didn't get to choose his father-in-law. Now, you can look at that any way you want, okay? He didn't get to choose the in-laws, did he? You know, when we get married, we never think about the rest of the family that comes along with the package. Am I right? Oops. That could be good. It could be bad. I don't want my sons or daughter-in-laws to comment. I'm just saying that that's a fact of life. But studies have shown, guys, studies have shown that how you see yourself is largely determined by what you think the most important people in your life think about you. And that's why you need to choose your friends carefully and why Jesus Christ is so important. Why this person is more important than any relationship you have because Jesus will tell you the truth, but it's always out of love. 
He isn't interested in criticizing you. He will critique you. But it's, his interest is out of love, not out of putting you down, but bringing, bringing the best out of you. His love is unconditional. Warts and all, he loves you. And he wants to change you. Now, when we're talking about connections, I've got to say something about disconnections here. Because I've learned that what makes me, me, is not only the friendships and the relationships I have, but the relationships and friendships I refuse to have. Let that sink in a minute. Sometimes disconnection identifies me. If connection identifies me, then you can be sure disconnection will will define you as well. What do you mean, Tim? I'm saying that sometimes because relationships are so messy, because we're sinners trying to get along, we hurt each other. And the tendency to do is to pull back, huh? I'm not trusting anybody anymore. I talked with a, a brother in Christ a couple of weeks ago and revealed to me that he'd been sexually abused over and over and over and over again. And as he's telling me this, he says to me, you know, Tim... I think that's why I have trust issues. Uh, yeah, I'm sure of it. You know, it's 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 and and he says that's why I disconnect. I don't get too close because I, I got hurt by my closest relationships, and I don't want to go through that again. So what we do? What do we do? Well, we tend. And by the way, that's not just for that brother. It's for a lot of us here, huh? We get hurt and we, we disconnect. We, we back up. We put some distance between us. And, we, and the thing is, guys, we need relationships. You and I are made for relationships. And so these disconnections create in us social challenges and problems where we can't relate to people. It, it creates this disconnection. This isolation grows into more fear and and, and by the way, it creates a lack of love in our hearts because we aren't getting with very many folks. We don't trust very many folks. We don't learn to love. So it makes us quirky, backward. And may I say this to you, that a lack of a, rela- a relationship in your life will also steal the meaning of life and your purpose in life. Because you have no moorings. You have no buddy to kind of help maneuver you through that. That goes with God. A relationship with God, a connection with God, and a connection with His people. My connections have had a big impact on my life. And they've had a big impact on yours. The friends you choose, the relationships you've had, the people of the past, and the people you will know. Number three, my circumstances make me, me. It's a factor. What do you mean by circumstances? I'm talking about the things that happen to me these things that happen to me also for my identity you know Solomon is sitting there scratching his head trying to figure out the meaning of life I don't know if you ever read the book of Ecclesiastes but every time we go through the daily Bible we get to the Ecclesiastes I, you know it's a very confusing book because Solomon objectively says, I'm going to try to tackle what's the purpose of life. What's the meaning of my life? And so he just, he tries everything. Nothing is, is, he refuses in his life. He's going to figure this out. And one of the things he comes to is circumstances. This topic of why do bad things happen? And look what he says here out of frustration. 
Sometimes something useless happens on earth. What's he saying? Sometimes something unfair happens on earth. Something I can't quite reconcile and figure out in my mind. Well, what is it, Solomon? Well, bad things happen to good people, and good things happen to bad people. What's that all about? Where's the justice in that? Where's the fairness? In fact, I think one version of the Bible says, it's not fair. It's not fair that it's like this. Many of you here, all of you here, have had things happen to you that were bad, and you didn't do, you weren't the problem, you weren't the cause of it. You were good, but it happened to you anyway. Why? That's so unfair. I thought if you did what the Lord wanted, if you were a good person, good would follow. Well, generally speaking, that's the case, yes. But it doesn't insulate you and I from something bad happening. And so probably you guys can remember something in your childhood that has shaped you, that had an impact on you, that you still carry to this day. I do. Names you were called by your parents on the playground. People who you love betray you. You know, I, you know, this is true. We are shaped a lot by the trouble and trauma and triumph in our lives. Moses was. Here's a guy who, right off the bat, his birth, he's in danger. I'm trying to think what was... Did he ever? How did he find out about this? Then one day, do you say, "Hey, mom, can I talk to you?" Yeah. What is it? Well, I notice I, I'm different than the rest of the kids. Yeah, you, you're adopted. We. Well, how, when did it happen? Well, you were a baby. Well, tell me about it. Well, we, found, we were, I was out. You know, we were out near the edge of the river, and all of a sudden, here comes this basket, and you were inside it. And I picked you up, and and someone says that's a Hebrew baby, and. And why am I in the basket to begin with? Well, we'll talk about that later. But I picked, you know, and we decided we were going to raise you. And so we, we got some Hebrew women. Uh, the mom, his mom, real mom and sister. Talk about God taking care of you. And, it, and, you, and I raised you in, in, in this palace. Now, I don't know. I would... Think, man, compared to what Moses would have been in, palace sounds pretty good, huh? But you can be in a beautiful home and still be miserable. So I don't know. I'm not sure. The Bible doesn't tell us which way Moses was on this palace thing, except in Hebrews he does give it up. It's not worth it. He says that's not what it's all cracked up to be compared to Christ and what God can give you, right? So there's something there going on. But we're a pro- and, and, and all this was shaping him. You know, some of these circumstances, some of the things that happened to him, he sees a couple of guys arguing. And maybe because he grew up in a palace, he was kind of cocky. And he walked up, hey, you guys, oh, the Egyptians beat, hey, stop that. You, stop arguing. Who are you to talk to us? Well, I'm Pharaoh. I don't care who you are. You're a kid. Egyptians beating up on this Hebrew, and he grabs him. I'm the son of Pharaoh. I can do whatever. I got a blank check. Kills him. Uh, he finds out it's not so blank. I'm going to die. I've got to get out of town. Runs out of town, and he's wandered around for 40 years taking care of sheep. This guy used to be a prince, is now a sheep herder, which when you look at the social ladder, this is the lowest. This is the lowest rung on the ladder. Circumstance, you think 
Moses doesn't understand circumstances. Why is this happening to me? What's happened to me? Here I am. I used to be a somebody. Now I'm in the middle of nowhere, living this nomadic life, taking care of my father-in-law's stuff, not even mine. And I've been doing this year after year, day after day. Circumstances. You don't think they had any impact on him? Some commentators believe that Moses forgot how to speak Hebrew while he was wandering around for those 40 years. That's why when he's talking to God, it's hard for him. He goes, I don't know how to say those words anymore. That may, that may be his problem. I can't speak the language that I'm supposed to know by heart. Circumstances. They shape him. And they'll shape you. Guys, there's many circumstances you and I are in, have had, been in, that we've had no control over. Some of us have grew up in poverty, and we, don't, we didn't cause it. We, we were born into it. Some of us are born into abusive situations. Alcohol, verbal abuse, physical abuse. We grew up in a home of, where, where divorce and boyfriend after boyfriend after boyfriend or girlfriend after girlfriend after girlfriend and we just like what is happening to my I can't wait to grow up and get out of this I'm one of those people I'm one of those people I couldn't wait to grow up and get out of my house I know some of you here you've not been just verbally abused or physically abused you've been abused sexually and you're like, why did I, what did I do? To, I didn't do that. I didn't cause this. Why is this happening to me? And you may even feel like you've got the raw end of a stick on this one. And I want you to know, I am sorry that's happened to you. And I know if, if you knew all my stuff, you'd be, say, I'm sorry that's happening to you too, Tim. You'd, you'd want to take it from me like I'd want to take it from you. But you know what? That's, the, that's what we have. These circumstances we've grown up in, they're in the past and they're there. And the thing is, these circumstances can either defeat you or develop you. That's the thing about them. Number four, my, my consciousness... I'm really preaching to me today, guys. <laughs> so you just sit back and watch me deal with me today, okay? Because conscious, what's consciousness? It's what you think about yourself. You know, it's how, you, how I think and feel about myself. That's what consciousness is. You ever talk to yourself? I do all the time. And I know, and I see people talking to themselves. I remember the first time I saw one of those Bluetooth things. I didn't see it. And the guy's talking at McDonald's. And he's having this conversation. And I'm thinking, well, I talk to myself, but not like that. That guy's crazy. Well, he's actually having a conversation. And he turns around, there it is, sticking in his ear, you know. And maybe you see people walking down the street and they're talking like this, and you're thinking, man, they're crazy people. But have you ever looked in the mirror and said, what was that? What is wrong with you? You're such an idiot. What were you thinking? And, you know, and you're sitting there going, I, I, I don't well, I don't know. You're having this conversation. You ever had these conversations with yourself? You know, you are your biggest critic. I am my biggest critic. And we have these uh, 
what somebody once called stinking thinking going on in our head. It's this stinking thinking. We have these conversations that go like this. I'm too ugly. You know, I'm ugly. I'm fat. I'm dumb. I'm fill in the blank. And we just keep having these conversations with ourselves. And we obey ourselves. What do you mean, Tim? Well, look at this passage here in Proverbs 27. As a water reflects your face, so your mind shows what kind of person you are. What's he saying there? He said, just like a mirror, just like a mirror reflects who you are, a lot of who you are comes from your head, from your mind, what you think of yourself, what you say about yourself. I feel like this. I feel inadequate. And by the way, Moses feel this way? Sure, what did he say? I, you know, I just don't think you got the right guy. I, I've got a physical problem. I stutter or stammer or whatever it is. And I don't have any confidence. If I could get some self-confidence, maybe I, you know, I've talked to myself about this before. Come on, Moses, you can do it. But I just can't seem to muster it. And guys, here's the thing. Here's, let me tell you the sermon you're hearing today. It's not this one. The sermon you're really hearing is going on in your head. And it's saying stuff like, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. And you know what it leads to? You know the application? You guys are really good. I'm good at this application of my sermon. The one I have in my head, it says, it's entitled, I can't, by Tim. And it's every day. Every day you get this sermon going on. I can't, I can't, I can't. You know what the application is? I won't. I won't. And I don't. But I feel this way, Tim. And I, yeah, with you on that. Here's the problem with feelings. They're not facts. They're not facts. You may feel a certain way. And I know I feel a certain way many times. And I realize they're not facts. Oh, what's going on in that head of mine? It's that stinking thinking. And it's telling me, this is who you are. And this is what, let me listen, guys. Well, shouldn't I listen to myself? I think we should listen to our, our conscience should be our guidance educated by the Lord. I get that. Yes. Here's what scares me about this consciousness going on. I'm telling myself this stuff, and I'm obeying this stuff, and that leads me to a conclusion that I have a form of idolatry. That I have put a God before Almighty God. And His name is Tim. What's yours? I bet it isn't Tim. That's my God. What's your God? Think about it. When I'm telling myself all this stuff, these these lies and how I'm feeling and and I'm putting myself down and then I start applying it and obeying it, I'm actually, it's a form of idolatry. I have put myself above God. And see, Moses learns that. That the holy ground he stands on is not where he walks, but where God walks. And he begins to listen to his Father, listen to his God. And it changes the way he thinks 
Isn't that what the Bible says in Romans 12 somewhere? It says, and let God change the way you think. Why is is that so important? Because this consciousness is where the battle happens. A lot of it happens. It's in the mind. So your mind shows what kind of person you are. Your thinking determines a lot about who you are. And so I want to challenge you this morning, uh, prematurely as before I get to the other stuff here, I want to challenge you while we're thinking about this is, is to do this when you start thinking, having that stinking thinking. And that's, it's, guys, we've got to start challenging and redirecting our thoughts. We've got to grab a hold of our thoughts, like Paul said, and take them captive. And, you know, no prisoners on this one. Every thought and make it obedient to Christ. That's what he told the Corinthians. Otherwise, we're locked in by this stinking thinking. Well, what's the last one, Tim? What's number five? It's my choices. You want to know what makes you, you? Really? It's your choices. One of the things that separates you from the rest of the animals is that you have the freedom to choose. You, God, listen, guys. Listen to me this morning. God has given you the power and the privilege to choose. And nobody else has that. That's why it's your greatest power. Nobody, nobody should take your choice from you. It's yours. God gave it to you to be stewards of, to manage. You never hand your brains to another person. Choose for me. You say, okay, next time when we leave here today and he says, where do you want to go eat? I'm not going to say wherever you think. That's a, that's, a, that's a good start, okay? But can't we do a little better than that, okay? Don't let people make, your, make up your mind for you. Let God who gave you that choice. I read years ago something like this. My life is made of choices and my choices make my life. My life is made of choices and my choices make my life. And your choices, folks, have a lot to do with who you are and who you will be. Look at what it says here in Deuteronomy 30. A fellow says to the people, you can choose life or death. The first choice will bring blessing. The other choice will bring curse. Bring a curse. So choose life. Who says that? Who's the guy that said that? Moses. Moses the fellow that talks about this. Moses is the guy that says, you get to choose. God says, tell them this. They choose life or death. Make up your mind. Which one's it going to be? You get to choose. You see, of the five, of the five factors that we're talking about this morning, this one is totally up to you. I heard it described this way. Billy Crystal, in a little book called 700 Sundays, if you've never read that book, I love this little book. He talks about, his his father dies at the age of 10, and he adds up how many Sundays he got to have with him. And it came to about 700. And so he starts, the book's remembering the Sundays that they had together. And he starts the book by saying, I had this dream where God and I are playing Stud poker. And if you know anything about stud poker, I don't know a lot. That tells you how deep I am with poker. But 
What I understand stud poker to be is you're dealt five cards and those are the cards you play. Am I right? Some of you gamblers in here nod your head or... Okay. Good. Thank you, Stephanie, for nodding your head. <laughs> She's a high roller down there at Dalton Bell. Okay, so... But it's, it, it's, it's the hand. You get five cards. There they are. And Billy Crystal says, I'm having this dream and God's shuffling the deck looking at me and he throws five cards. He throws down five cards. He picks his up and starts looking at them and I look at mine. And my five cards... One of them says, your father will die at the age of 10 of a massive heart attack. Your mother will have Alzheimer's when she's in her 70s, and you'll have to put her in a home. You're going to go through relationship through relationship because you're young and you're dumb and you're stupid and you make lots of mistakes and you have a lot of heartache and pain in your marriage. He gets down, he, something else, I can't remember what the other one is, and he gets down to the last one, and he sees it, and he says, I look at the hand I've been dealt and go, oh my. And I look up at God, and he looks at his hand and grins. He knows he can beat me. That's how the book starts. Painful. End of the book. Now we're at the end of the book. He goes, I had another dream. This time God and I are playing stud again. He throws the five cards. I, he throws his five cards. He picks his up and looks at them. And he looks over at me and starts to grin. And I look at my cards, and they're the same cards. But now I'm older. And I look at them and I begin to grin. And I go, I'll play these. How could Billy Crystal do that? I think, guys, I believe there's a wild card in the hand you and I are dealt. And it's choice. It makes the whole hand different. If you've ever played threesies, am I right? If you've, Pat played threesies and got butt, his butt kicked. But, no, I did not cheat. God took this blesses the righteous. I don't know how to tell you. But if you ever played where there's a wild card involved and you're getting all the bad, you go, oh, 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 and then here comes, oh, it changes everything. And I want to tell you, your wild card is choice. God gives you that and it changes everything for you. What are you saying, Tim? Well, let me give you your choices then this morning. Let me give you some choices that you can make this morning. One is this, I didn't choose my body, but I can choose how to use it. You agree with that? I didn't choose this body. I didn't choose six foot four and brown hair and crooked teeth and ears stick out and this voice. I'd love to have a much deeper baritone voice. My toes are as almost long as my fingers. You know, I... There's things that I look at my body and go, wonderfully made, creative. I'll give you that. And I'm stuck with it. And if I see some some problem where you know uh, I'm shy or I'm uh, I'm not smart enough, I just I just don't have that figured out, or I'm not strong enough anymore. But I still can choose how to use it. I can still choose how to use it. Look at First Corinthians. 6 says, you've been bought with a price. You've been bought and paid for. So honor God through your body. Paul tells the Corinthian church, clear across the board, hey, you've been bought with a price. You've been bought, you've been bought and paid for. So that choice 
you didn't make, God made. Here's your choice. Honor God with the rest of the time you have on earth. What's that mean? Does that mean going to the doctor? Yeah, I did. Does it mean exercising? Yeah, I don't. Does it mean eating better? Yeah, I do. Do you know what I'm saying? Why should I take care of myself? So God can use this body. There's some things, guys, I, I tell you, you know, you're, you're going to get, your body has a certain DNA for cancer, leukemia, heart disease. I don't understand it. That's what we're finding out. Doesn't mean you're going to get it, but it means you, you could. Well, what happens when my body breaks down? What happens if I get too old I can hardly move? What happens if I can't? Do, well, I guess I'm just done. No, I still can decide how to use it. I can still decide how I'm going to use this body, even if it breaks down. You following me? That's still a choice of mine. Paul, the Apostle Paul, had this thorn in the flesh, this disease. Some say it's eyes. Maybe it's his way he could speak. I don't know. It affected everything about him. Look what he says to the Galatian church. As you know, it was because of an illness that I first preached the gospel to you. He says, you know what? My illness opened the door for me. And even though my illness was a trial to you, what's he saying there? Oh, he must have been a handful to take care of. You not treat me with contempt. Listen, church, listen, rest, listen, church. The rest of us need to listen to how Paul was treated when he was sick. This is how we should treat people who are sick. Even though it was a trial to you, you did not treat me with contempt or scorn. Instead, you welcomed me as if I were an angel of God, as if I were Christ Jesus Himself. What a lesson for us, huh? Paul said, my illness is not going to keep me from talking. In fact, he talked about his chains. He talked about his suffering. One time, when he talked about his circumstance, he said, the whole palace guard knows about the gospel because of what's happened to me. It's actually served to advance the gospel. Now, it wouldn't have advanced one step if Paul would have said, I'm out because I'm ill. But Tim, I can't do what I could do when I was healthy. I don't think you're required to do what you used to do when you were healthy. Maybe it's something different. All you're required to do, whether you're healthy or sick or whatever, is please Him. That's it. So don't think yourself out because I'm ill, or I'm out because I've got cancer, or out because I, I can't breathe, or out because I'm old, old bag or something. No. No. You're just going to do something different. You shift gears. And you keep pleasing the Lord. See, I can choose. Here's what I love about the story of Moses. He's, he's bringing up all of his faltering lips and all of his problems, his physical ailments, all that stuff, all his shortcomings. And God basically is saying to him, will you let me use you? And you know Moses' response is? Yeah. Sure. He doesn't let his body prevent him. That's a choice you can make. Number two, I didn't choose some of my relationships, but I can choose to deepen my relationships. You know, I, I didn't choose my parents. I didn't choose my brother. I didn't choose some of you. You guys, you know, in the kingdom even. You people come into the kingdom, you're baptized in the kingdom, and some of you probably wouldn't get along with some of the rest of us, right? We didn't choose you. God did. And because of that, we love you. 
because he chose us. Whether we're the newest member of this church or the oldest member of this church. But I can choose some relationships, and I say this to those of you who are single, you can choose your spouse. And you should choose wisely. I'll be married 36 years on Tuesday. Okay? And Denise leads lots of prayers. And I know the only reason we're still together is because of Christ. We'd have killed each other years ago. We're just so different. I wish I could tell you we chose wisely based on Christ. But Christ was not in our choice. Not that much. Yeah, I became a Christian. What she chose to do was lead me to Christ. And we got married as two Christians. I know some of you don't like to hear the word lucky. I'll just say God intervened. And I'm glad. I'm fortunate. Right now, whatever relationship you've got, you know, right now, in our, both our sides of our family, Gil and Dodie's side, it's a mess. We have relationships that are just all in a mess. And I don't think we're the only family that has that going on. And yet, she and I can choose, just like you, to improve those relationships. The righteous choose their friends carefully, it says. And someone says, well, Tim, what are you talking about? Well, I'm saying some of you may need to end some friendships because they're bad for you. And some of you need to make new friendships because they're good for you. And you might say, but Tim, that's just awkward. That's weird. That's awkward. And I want to tell you, awkward will not kill you. So what? Some of you here, you know, I don't want to study with anybody anymore. Why not? Because the last 10, 15 people I've studied with, they became Christians and left, fell away, and I don't like to go through that anymore. Well, they killed Jesus. They killed Jesus. What are you expecting? Well, I'd like to see some people stick around. I agree. Taking yourself out of the game is not going to make it any better, folks. No, we choose to deepen those relationships. We choose to love people. I'm afraid. Love casts out all fear. Loving one another and loving others. Tim, you don't understand. When I'm in a room somewhere and I see all these people, I just wonder what they're thinking about me. They're not thinking about you. Who are they thinking about? Themselves. They're thinking about what you think about them. Now see, love is takes the focus off ourself and puts it where it ought to be. That's why Jesus could die on the cross and say, I'm doing this out of love, and he was so secure and so sure of who he was and what he was doing. And what would be refreshing, church, is next time you're in a group of people, don't think about how you look, don't think about yourself. Think about how you can love someone and help someone. They're waiting for somebody like you. I can choose to deepen my relationships. We can't got even time to look at Ecclesiastes 4. Let's go to 3. 
I didn't choose my circumstances, but I can choose my response. I love what the psalmist says here. I will praise the Lord no matter what happens. Can you do that? The psalmist David says, I've chosen to praise the Lord no matter what happens. See, I can, I can choose to trust God no matter what happens, whatever the circumstance. I still have that choice. And believe me, that choice changes that circumstance into an opportunity. That's what Moses did. He chose not to be mistreated, it says. He, ch- he chose to look at the reward that was going to be given to him from the Lord. It says that he persevered. He chose to hang in there. It says that he kept the, the Passover. He chose to keep God's commands in his circumstances. And because he trusted the Lord, God could use him. I love this passage here in Philippians 4. Paul says, it's never quite thought about it like this. Look what he says. I have learned to be satisfied with what I have and with whatever happens. I have learned the secret of how to live through any kind of situation. Would you like to be able to do that? Christ is the one who gives me the strength. He's the one who gives me the strength I need to do whatever I must do. I choose my response. I don't know what circumstance you're in, but you you choose your response. It may have been made for you, but you choose how you're going to respond to it. Number four, I don't choose what others think or say about me. (laughs) I can choose what I will dwell on. You guys, you're easy to criticize. I'm easy to criticize. Why is that? Because I'm a sinner. It's easy to pick me apart. And it's easy to pick you apart. And the thing about this I want you to see is being a Christian doesn't insulate you from ridicule. It doesn't insulate you from people thinking awful things and saying nasty things. Why not? Well, you're not perfect and they aren't perfect. It's still, that's still there. And people are going to say things, they're going to do things, and you, you know, it's a battle of the mind here, what you dwell on. Look at the Bible says here in Proverbs 4. Above all, be careful what you think. Why? Because your thoughts control your life. Is he saying there's a lot up here? Matters? Yeah. And your thoughts, Tim, have a big impact on your life. What you think about, what you dwell on. We, Gary and Al and I, we have these discussions all the time. I'm looking for validation. How about you? I'm looking for some way to know, am I, doing, am I a good man? Am I a faithful man? Am I doing the right thing? Let me tell you, your elders here, we, we, we wrestle and ache over, where's this church going? And I had somebody say to me this morning as I'm praying with them over this sermon, I'm praying with James Lampley over it, the Godfrey Church of Christ. I'm just praying. Why didn't we pray every Sunday over our sermons? We needed it, so we're praying. He goes, you know what, brother? I got to thinking about something. What's that? You know, we're always looking for validation. He, I'm like, what? Does he know what, what we've been talking about? Well, I'm always looking for validation. And so is everybody that goes to church. And Tim, in your effort to look for validation, don't overlook the people that are looking for it from you. They're looking for affirmation from you. I'm like, 
Oh my gosh, you're, you're so right. You see, I, I said to him, I'm so selfish. I'm so selfish. And it kind of gives us a heads up, guys. What are we here for? Well, I'm here to get something. And God says, I wish you'd come here to give something. Who needs validation from you? You're very important in this person's life that's in this room. Right now they're looking for some validation from you. Will they get it from you today? Will they get some kind of confirmation that everything's going to be okay? I thought about one time putting that somewhere in the building. Everything's going to be all right. I saw that at a dealership. I love it. Right, you're driving your broken down car, and the first thing you say, everything's going to be all right. Well, that be that's a. I like that. Does somebody need to hear from your lips? You're going to be okay. You're a Christian. You're a faithful man. I had a guy look at me. Alan looks at me in the eye and says, "You're a you're, you love the Lord." And I looked at him and said, "I know you do too." Do are we faithful? If we're as faithful as all we know to be faithful to. Maybe somebody needs to hear that from, from your lips this morning. You're a good woman. You're a godly man. It's going to be okay, honey. It's going to be okay, Dad. Why do we do that? Why, why say that? Because of all the other things that we need to dwell on, all this stuff that's in our heads that we dwell on is these critics. Some of these, some of these things we're dwelling on, guys, have never been said. That's what... Just twists me sometimes. I'm getting all excited and bothered about something that hasn't even been said. Look what the Bible says here. Look what the Bible says here, our last verse here. It says here, focus your thoughts. That's why I'm saying we, we've got to learn to read, we choose what we're going to think about. You choose what you're thinking about. You choose what you're going to dwell on. And the Bible says, since you have that choice, it encourages you to do this. Focus your thoughts on what is true. Is it true or is it a feeling? Noble. Righteous. Is it right or is it a feeling? Pure. Lovable or admirable. Fix your thoughts on some virtue or on something praiseworthy. Where's your thoughts at? Your critics? Your fant- these phantom people, somebody that said something years ago on the playground from your mom or your father. The Bible says you can dwell on that and it'll destroy you. Or you, can, or you can choose to focus on some thoughts that are a little higher, a little better, that will bring out the best in you. I want to encourage you this morning. Here's a, there's a communication card in the bulletin and this is a chance for you to to maybe write a response or a thought a question a comment or a prayer request take advantage of it this morning I want to challenge you with this before we pray here because we're going to I'm going to pray and we're going to then we'll have a song and collect those cards and and then, uh, or let you have time to write on those cards and then we'll sing another song and collect those cards up along with our contribution this week. By the way, those cards, people pray over those cards. They don't just look at them and go, ooh, juicy gossip. They don't do that. They don't do that. They talk to God about it. I'm so glad we have a prayer team that's like that. 
But let me encourage you to play your wild card this morning. What's the choice you need to make? Paul said this, It's by the grace of God I am what I am. And I pray you'll play that choice card. I'm going to choose Christ. I'm going to choose the Lord. He's going to be the Lord of my life. I'm going to trust Him in my circumstances. I'm going to trust Him with the body I have. I'm going to trust Him with whatever happens, whatever people if people say, I'm going to listen to Him and please Him. Play that card this morning. Please play that card because that will make what you've been dealt a winning hand. Let's pray. God, thank You for this morning, Lord. Thank You for... Moses and for just the story of Moses, Lord. There's so much in there. And Lord, I just think about the things that have formed me and, and, we, and we're reminded of the things that form us, that You've made us a certain way, that we're hardwired a certain way, Lord. And we don't say that. We don't, we're not wanting to use it as an excuse, but basically to, to use it as a reason why we're to, we're to be what we're supposed to be. And Lord, we also, we, we also know, Father, that You've made us with connections, with relationships. And a lot of us have had some pretty rough relationships, Father, that have identified us a certain way. And Father, what the great thing about Your church is, is all these great relationships we can have in the kingdom that can change our identity, Father. That can help us have a healthier ID. Oh, Father, thank You for the circumstances. You know, you work in all circumstances. And Lord, I, even in the ones I don't see and I, I didn't choose, Lord, you want to use and you want to choose, choose to use and help us, Lord, let you use whatever circumstance. Turn it into an opportunity. Help us choose to trust you no matter what happens. Father, this stinking thinking we have in our brain, it's like somebody living rent-free in our brain. Father, I pray we will evict these critics that will kick out these, these thoughts that are doing nothing but stifling us and keeping us from moving forward as a Christian and as a church. We look for security. We look to you for security. We don't look for it inside. We know it's not there. We don't look for it in other people. We know it's not there. We know it's not in a car or a job or a position or a pleasure. We know it's at your feet. We come to you and ask you, Father, to help us overcome this stinking thinking that, that just haunts us and hassles us and keeps us from being what we need to, what you want us to be. And Lord, I pray that, that we'll just make these choices today. Would you help us make these choices, Father? To not leave, Father, this place without choosing you. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.